Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me today on Grief and Rebirth for what is going to be an interesting and very unique Grief and Rebirth podcast interview. It is such a thrill and a delight to be with you for our seventh season of Grief and Rebirth, introducing you to the enlightening insights of wonderful healers, mediums, grief and trauma specialists, and truly amazing people with their inspiring stories to share. Before we begin today's interview, I want to remind you that you can see the full show notes and all Grief and Rebirth episodes on IreneWeinberg.com. And make sure to follow us on social at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our fascinating guest today is Heidi Connolly. Heidi is an intuitive coach, a medium, and a musician, as well as a writer, editor, and self-publishing consultant. She makes customized healing flute recordings and offers workshops on living an authentic life and writing in your authentic voice. Heidi helps people discover who they really are as vacationing angels and aids them to discover their unique energetic signatures and their intuitive guidance systems. A co-author of James Van Praz, When Heaven Touches Earth and Other Books and Articles, Heidi currently offers workshops on writing with the authentic book voice. She is a winner of the Honorable Mention Awards at the 2015 New York Book Festival, the 2015 Paris Book Festival, and the 2014 Southern California Book Festival. Her book, Crossing the Rubicon, tells the story of two lovers separated through loss of life on the physical plane, but of the realization that there truly is life after death on both sides of the veil. I can so relate to Heidi's story because I too crossed the threshold of my own personal Rubicon after the amazing spiritual awakening I experienced when my husband's soul died next to me in a tragic car accident. And I also know for sure that he is with me from the other side of the veil. Heidi, you and I are surely kindred spirits. It is with joy that I welcome you to Grief and Rebirth podcast community. I'm eager to learn about your services and products that encourage and invite people to learn the truth about who they really are. So to begin, please tell us about your unique and wonderful book called Crossing the Rubicon. Well, Irene, it is really a gift to be spending some time with you and everyone listening today. My life has changed so much since the death of my husband in 2012. Um, Randy was a unique individual. He always said he'd be talking to me from the other side, but I figured even if he talked, I wouldn't hear him. 
because I certainly didn't have any ability to do that. Um, it was a year and a half after he died. I was still devastated. I was still thinking about taking my own life. I didn't see the point to living without him. Uh, and I went to sleep one night crying again and angry that I hadn't heard from him. And I got woken up in the middle of the night. It was 3 a.m. And I heard in this big, loud voice, Heidi, wake up, get out your pen and paper. We're going to write a book. And I was shocked. And at first, I called out my friend's name. I was staying with her at her house in Canada. And there was no one there. She was not even home. And I took out a piece of paper and a pencil and wrote in the dark. And the next day I had most of crossing the Rubicon. Um, when I woke up the next morning and I saw what was in, the, in my scribbles, I really frankly could not believe it because first of all, a lot of the book is in rhyme and I have never rhymed anything in my life. I mean, it's one thing to write and to edit and to write novels, to, for people, but it's another thing to write poetry. So I've never done that. And Randy was the poet in the family. So what he told me was this was a conversation that we actually had when he was dying. Uh, in so it was in verse. And we never got to have the conversation because he was dying and in pain. So that's what the book started as. And then as it grew, he began to explain how important it was to understand that we need to create a new kind of relationship with the loved ones who have passed. When you're grieving as heavily as I was, you cannot hear. You just can't hear the voice you want to hear the most. So there you are saying, why can't I, why can't I? Well, here's the answer. You can't because your grief is like a wet blanket. It's just like the blanket is sitting over you and nothing can filter through. Every time you think of the loved one, you cry, you're sad. So their love energy is pouring in. They are there, it's, they're showering you with love and affection and all you feel is pain and sadness. So he said, we have to develop a new kind of relationship and I'm gonna teach you how to do it. So that's how the book came about. Shortly after that, he told me I had hired a friend who's a graphic designer to illustrate the book. And she kept saying that he wouldn't let her do it. And finally, he told me I had to do it. And I said, I don't really do art anymore. He said, tough. He was, he was a tough guy. And, then, and on the other side, I know you know from your husband, they don't change personality. No, person I, I'm laughing because that must have been who he was, what he was like on this side. I, kid, you're going to do it. He was stubborn. And he just told you what you needed to do. And he used to say to me, can't you just shut up and do what I'm telling you to do? And we would laugh hysterically. But this is what he kept saying to me. So I illustrated the book. Two weeks later, he told me what to call the book. I did not know the expression crossing the Rubicon. I did not know that that's what Julius Caesar said to his troops. So he, Randy said, call it crossing the Rubicon, love poems past the point of no return, which is what he said to his troops. We might, if we cross the Rubicon River, we may never go home again. 
And so Randy's message to me was, we're past, we're past the point of no return, and this is the time when we're going to have to develop a new way of being together. He said, I can't do over here on this side if you don't do what you, your part on the other side. We are still in partnership even more than we ever were in human form. Which is so interesting because I have the same exact relationship with my husband who was on the other side. We're such a validation for each other. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. It is amazing. And and you'll hear, you know, more and more stories when people come forward. They have similar experiences because that is is what's happening. The spirit world wants to continue the relationship, but we can't do that until we've processed the physical lack, the physical death. And the more high sensitive we are, the harder it can be because we're having emotional responses that continue to block the communication itself and the learning. So this book was amazing in that way because it brought me through the whole process. Which is also what I'm excited to talk to you about later in our interview about high sensitive because you just said something and some of the people listening to us are going, high sensitive, what is that? Yes. So definitely you know, be covering that too. Could you share with us all those firsts in your life, hearing from spirit, seeing spirit and feeling spirit, and how has this ongoing validation that you're receiving information from the other side changed the way you live and walk through life? One of the biggest things that happened was after the book, Randy told me to illustrate it. After the illustration, he told me to buy a new flute. I was a professional musician after college for about 10 years. Due to a jaw injury, I stopped playing. And it was 20 something years before this happened. I said to him, you're crazy. I'm not gonna buy a professional flute worth thousands of dollars. I don't play anymore. And he insisted. Two weeks later, he had me in a recording studio recording an audiobook of improvised flute music to go along with crossing the Rubicon. That's amazing. I mean, not channel, you just channeled that information, that those notes, the, the, the- I didn't know what I was doing, Irene. I was scared. I thought, I don't know what I'm doing here. The first thing that happened was I started to warm up. Now, really, it had been 25 years. I'm not exaggerating. So I can relate also, we have that in common because I used to be a violinist. Right. So you understand, it's oh, not like riding a bicycle. No, no. So I picked new flute I had never played, and I go in, and uh, the guy, the recorder person, the producer, tells me to warm up. Ten minutes later, I stop playing, and I say, are we starting? He said, oh, we already did. The moment I stopped my, what I called warming up, was the exact seconds it was to the second of the preface of the book in other words my speaking through the introduction of the book was to the second the music i had played wow that's and i just did the whole recording that way and randy this is amazing randy had his own language that he was born with and he called it the language of the emotions and he only spoke it to me every once in a while and he used to say I can't really translate it, but I know it came from ladies where I came from. Two, he called himself Two Lakes of the Star Clan. And I never really understood any of that. 
But when he was dying, he spoke a few words and I actually got it on a recorder. And at the end of the audiobook, those words are on it. And he was saying, Goodbye, my love, I'm coming home. Oh my gosh. That is and, touching. Yeah, and he was pushing me away when he died. So I felt guilty. I felt afraid. I was angry. I didn't understand why he was pushing me away, but it was because he was afraid I was going to follow him to the other side. So all that speaks to all those are first. Everything was a first in my life. Everything. Then he tells me to start a meetup. I didn't know what a meetup was. I, I scheduled a meetup at the library and two people came, but I didn't even know what I was going to say. He set me up with a medium in Canada who invited me to come up and write a book with her. He called her to invite me up there to write a book. I ended up living with her for three months and she taught me about who I was. And how, did, how did she get in touch with her? I mean, he channeled her to get in touch with you? Absolutely. She called me on the phone and she said, Randy's talking to me. And I said, I can't even get out of bed. It's only two weeks since he died. She said, he won't leave me alone. He's insisting that you come up here and see me. And we write a book together. And so that started a, a long relationship of mentorship where she taught me a lot of what I know. And I have just built on that. That's wonderful. And I can relate to that, too, because I also worked with the media when Saul died to write my book. Yeah. I channeled information from Saul. There's, there's so many similarities, and it's such a validation. It's such a validation. They're both with us. Tell me about the divine guidance that inspired you to pursue the calling of intuitive coach, medium, and musician. Was it all because of what Randy was saying to you? Or did it feel right? What? Uh, it happened so uh, fluidly and organically. Uh, after I started writing down the, the book, um, I was in Canada living in a hotel for a month. And I went downstairs into a hot tub the night before I had a dream. And I'm in the hot tub knowing that I have to talk to this young woman who's standing there knowing that I had dreamed about her father and feeling completely crazy, completely crazy. I don't know this person. I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done this before. I, but if, but the work, the more I resisted, of course, what you resist persists. And that's one of the biggest messages from the spirit world that I get. Cause I have a whole bunch of cards they've given me with adages and messages and I use them all the time. And this message was, if you don't go over there, you're going to feel pretty bad. You're going to get your ass kicked is basically what they say. <laughs> so I went over and I said to her, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but your father wants me to talk to you. And, and she was very sweet and said, really? And I said, yeah. And I saw him in a dream and he had wings on his chest and he was wearing a bomber jacket. And turns out he'd, be, um, he'd been a flyer. And the wings, she turned around and she had angel's wings on her back. Oh, my God. And I had just said to her, your father is your guardian angel. And so what they try to do for me is I get a lot of messages through music, through symbology. So the wings were his way of showing me when I see her wings, I will identify that. He, and then I said, was his name Byron? And she said, oh, my God, how did you know that? So. That's the validation you're talking about. Right. We, 
we constantly need to put ourselves out there and be courageous enough to look for the validation and, and open that door. Because if we don't speak up, we don't get it. That's right. That's right. And so many people would, you know, a lot of people I feel they're so sad and it's almost like they become comfortable in that very sad grieving space when they can reach, there are so many ways they can reach out of that and grasp for that hope. And yeah, yeah, I think that the comfort of the grieving, there's a fear, and this is so many of my clients say this, if I let go of the grief, that means I didn't love the person enough. That means that that will be a bad thing. I will feel shame and people will think I didn't love him. And of course, from the spirit world perspective, as you know, all they want is our happiness. Right. And they want us to go on. They want us to move forward. And they want us to continue to grow. Um, so now I'm fascinated with this concept of yours called vacationing angels. Mm. How do you help people discover who they are as vacationing angels? And please also tell us about the unique energetic signatures and intuitive guidance systems which stimulate the ability to access joy and truth, especially after loss, when grief can be so overwhelming and debilitating. Yeah, these are tools that I have developed over time. Um, Randy is the one who coined the phrase vacationing angels. And he basically told me that we're, we're all angelic beings. We're all spiritual beings, energetic beings. We're kind of over, I call it over there, up there. We're up there and we're all thinking, this would be the grooviest thing ever if we could go down there and be human because we could, we could have sex. We could smell the ocean. We could eat chocolate. We could have all right. We could have all the human senses. This is going to be so much fun. So, for example, me, I think I'm going to pick the brochure. I'm going to be on vacation, and I'm going to pick the brochure as a you know green-eyed, curly-haired Jewish woman from Boston who plays the flute and you know has this kind of a mental breakdown when she goes to Harvard. And I mean, all these things that I chose to be. But from a vacationing angel standpoint, it's brilliant. It's a vacation. So then I get down here and I'm human and I'm thinking, what? What was I thinking? This is not fun. Everyone tells me I'm too emotional. I never stop crying. I'm afraid of, you know, I, I fall apart in a competition. I don't trust myself. I'm told that I'm just too emotional and sensitive and that I have to learn to be a different way. And I can't be a different way. Because that's so who I, you are. Because hmm? that's who you are. That's right. And so I just kept falling apart and falling apart and falling apart. So the vacation angel thing reminds me every day that I am not just my human self and that I chose this vacation, but my vacation is changeable at any moment, every single day. I can pick any route I want. Yes, I started out in that family with a sick father who had MS, who was in a wheelchair. There were all sorts of dysfunctional elements in my family. I chose that, but 
I am now completely aware that every choice I make in my life is something, is a choice. It is a choice. And that my, the biggest things for my clients, Irene, is to stop seeing, they want to be less emotional. They want to be less sensitive because they see it as a profound negative. And I can teach them to see it as a gift. That these are the sensitivities that allow us to really find the joy in life when we stop labeling them as bad. Because the emotions, feeling the emotions in your body, where you feel them, how you experience them, that is the key to your higher self, your intuitive self, the other side. It's the key, your emotions. It's not your logic that gets you there. Right, well, they're, 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 kind, of, they're kind of your compass, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, your navigation system. But the other thing is people are so judgmental. We're all supposed to be different. We're all supposed to have different gifts. And, you, you know, it's so easy to label someone as too sensitive or too this or too that. And I think that's a very a profound lesson that we learn as we grow into our spirituality, as to not judge people. That's right. And the labels are the biggest problem, really, because... You're, you have high anxiety, so you need this medication. You're depressed. So any diagnosis sends you into the medical field with, with drugs and, and psych, psychology. My system says these are nothing more than indicators. You have allergies, it's an indicator. You, when I cough, suddenly it's because I'm experiencing self-judgment. The first time I perform music, when I, after I picked up the flute, I choked. And the clear message was, you're doubting yourself. And anytime you go into self-doubt and criticism, you will choke. When I tried to play the flute and I got all stressed about it because I wasn't as good as I used to be, my message from Randy was, you don't play in joy, the flute will not play. It is an animate object. Wow, that's fantastic. Uh, I, I want to continue this, but right now we're going to take a quick break to allow a minute for our sponsors who keep this podcast free for our listeners. We'll be right back. We're back. Thanks for tuning in to my touching interview today with Heidi Connolly. Let's continue on with Heidi with this question. Heidi, after your husband Randy's death, the communication you received from the other side led to your intuitive coaching mediumship practice your spiritually guided flute music, and your monthly afterlife meetups. Please tell us about these services and products you offer that help to stop self-judgment, turning people towards self-love and acceptance. Mm-hmm. As more and more people come to my meetups, uh, and, and as I told you, Irene, I live in a very teeny tiny town on the coast of Oregon, but I get 60 people at a meetup every month. Uh, it's because we need a community, as you're providing, of uh, uh, where people can feel safe. I saw a spirit when I was three. It scared me away. What am I supposed to do? I help people understand how to create a contract with the spirit world, literally to write a contract with the spirit world. There's no reason for fear with the spirit world. You can say, I want to connect with you spirits, but it's got to be not at night because I want to sleep. It's got to be come one at a time or, you know, I'm clairsentient, so I feel the information. 
And mm -hmm. sometimes I've seen spirit, I do hear voices, but I'm very clear with them what will work for me in my life. So I write a contract and I encourage people to do that. I encourage people to find their energetic signature. Tell us about what an energetic signature is. Yes. We all have a unique energetic signature. This means that when, when you're high sensitive, you pick up information from everybody. You, that's how you develop your relationships. You have empathy and compassion because you're telepathic, because you feel what they feel. The problem is when we feel what everybody feels, we don't know what's ours and what's theirs. We're living our lives through their feelings and it actually feels like our feelings. So we say we're depressed and someone says, no, that's not, that's so-and-so's depression. And you say, oh, I feel depressed. It's really not the truth. You're feeling an energy and it's often not yours. The only way to differentiate is to know your own energy. So I do a guided meditation to lead people to identify what their unique signature is of energy, where it lives in their body, and how to be in that energy so that when they're in a tough situation, when they're in a conversation with family, when they're at the airport, in an airplane, and overwhelmed by the energy of everyone around them, all we have to do is bring in our psychic octopus, which is what I teach. We don't, I don't create bubbles of protection. Instead, I picture myself as an octopus and I bring in my tentacles. And as I bring in my tentacles, I am no longer globbing onto other people's energy. I'm not taking my tentacles and tapping in. I'm, I feel that's unethical. What I'm doing is I'm saying, I'm bringing in my own tentacles into Heidi energy. I know where Heidi energy lives in my body. And as I say that to myself, I become calmer, I feel my own energy, and I stop feeling the energy of everyone around me. And then I am back to a place of safety, security, protection, and I feel like I can make a decision. When I'm out of that energy, I can't even tell you what to order for lunch. Right. I hear that. And where does your psychic energy live in your body? It's very odd. The third time I did this exercise, the first two times I got nothing and I thought this is meaningless for me. The third time I immediately knew my energy. I felt it in my lower abdomen on the left, sort of in my left hip area. And I didn't understand why it was there, but that's where it sits. Okay, well, but that's good that you that you know that and that people yes. who are working with you can find that out for themselves. Yes. We do the exercise enough times and they end up, and there's an, the, the internal guidance system, the IGS that I work with is another tool to find people don't know how to follow their guidance. They don't know what their guidance is telling them, right? That's the hard thing. So we identify how to discover in your body the feeling, the vibration, the frequency of a yes versus a no, a truth versus a lie. So one of the things is if I say, I have people say, take a breath and then say loudly, my name is, so for me, it would be my name is Heidi Connolly. Well, for me, when I say that and get quiet, I feel that energy in my body as sort of a vertical whoosh of energy. 
when I say my name is John Smith, I get this sort of a dead zone that's yeah. horizontal. Someone may feel it in their little toe. Someone may feel it at the tip of their nose. It doesn't matter. But as soon as you experience a difference in energy, then you have just learned to access your truth. And you know what it feels like because we have divorced ourselves in this society from our emotions versus our logic and the emotions from the feeling in the body because they are directly linked. The emotions in the body are directly linked. And so once you feel it in your body, you say, oh, now I know what I'm looking for. That's great. That's such a great tool to teach people, Heidi. Do you have an especially inspiring story you'd like to share with our listeners? Yes, I would. And I would like to, I, okay, so I'd like to read this very, very short poem that Randy gave me for the book. And remember, it's a conversation. So I had poetry that he had written me every year of our lives together. And when I wrote the poems for the book, every poem that we wrote that night seemed to map a poem that he'd written me. But this poem, and, and the poetry goes through the grieving process, anger and fear and all that. So this is somewhere in the middle. We triumph in life by meeting in death, a sad coincidence in the absence of breath. It is only the body that sets us apart. In all other ways, we beat as one heart. That's beautiful. Well, and it says, it's so true. It's so true. There is no, he said, you know, we need, we're in partnership here. I can't do over here what I'm going to do. If you don't do continue to do what you are meant to do on, on that you're side. bridging each other and you're the vehicle. It, now, if you, if you uh, met another guy, would he have any problem with that? Well, I think that's a great question because I have, in fact, met someone. It's been seven years. I met this man two and a half years ago. He's extremely different from me. When I told him I talked to dead people, he, there was a big silence. And I, first of all, when I got on the phone, I had sworn to myself that I wouldn't say that the first conversation and the first words out of my mouth were, I talk to dead people, so if you're not okay with that, we should probably not continue this conversation. We should not enjoy ourselves as live people together. <laughs> it was hysterical, and the big silence, and then he said, well, there's a lot of things I don't know. And so we met, and he came to a meetup, and he said afterward, you, first of all, he's my biggest fan, he said, you're the most amazing speaker I've ever heard. You're not only a great medium, obviously connecting with people on the other side, but what you teach people about how to discover who they really are and love who they really are and help them connect, whether it's with the other side or just with their inner being, that is irrelevant. How you do that is a miracle. And since then, he actually has been hearing voices. And, and this is, oh, a, yeah, because it opens doors. You know that. Oh, yes. Talking to someone like us opens doors for people. This is the whole reason for this podcast. The whole reason. The whole reason for people to learn and to understand and to open 
doors that there are all without being afraid right you don't have to be afraid of death it's like what are you doing about your life and your choices until you get to that point yeah and so when you went oh you asked me that question well how does he feel Right away, I said to Dennis, I need to be accepted for my the fact that I have a relationship with Randy, and that's never going to go away. And he's like, well, he's dead. I'm here. That's okay. That's great. And Randy obviously is happy that you're happy. Randy's the one who put us together. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten messages many times that so would have no problem whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, Talk to us a little more about this high sensitive. How can a re, how can a listener? I mean, I think of a high sensitive as someone who's very um, empathic, and yeah. you talk about that it's picking up the you know heavily. Like, and I've experienced this where you go into a place and you can feel um, a downer vibe around you, or whatever. But the typical person who's never understood or learned or heard about this concept. How do they figure out if they're what we call a high sensitive or not? When you identify that. When you have a lot of unexplained symptomatology, when you are overwhelmed easily by whatever's going on around you, when you have antisocial behavior, when you have a lot of allergies, a lot of illnesses, when you feel confused a lot. That's one of my biggest indicators. A message is coming through. I used to say, What's wrong with me? I get confused and I lose my train of thought. Now I know to just stop and wait for a message to come through. So it's identifying that all the things you've ever thought were wrong about you are actually ways to tap into to your intuition and who you are. So it's a complete turnaround, a flip of your perspective on who you are. That's what being a high sense of overwhelmment, anxiety, depression. We unlabel things. I don't relabel them. I unlabel them. There's no good. There's, let's say this. If I feel down, I immediately go to I must be depressed. Because in my life, I was depressed for 50-something years, right? I took medicine on and off, et cetera. Panic attacks, the whole thing. So I immediately go to I must be depressed. And there's my label. And I sit in the energy. It's just an energy of depression. Now, if I feel something, I say, well, I'm feeling an energy. I'm not going to label it. And I'm going to talk to the energy. And I have conversations with my energy. And I sit them on the sofa and I talk to them. What color are you? What shape are you? What are you trying to tell me? What what are you um, looking for? Uh, What do I need from you? But I don't start labeling them. And then I get to understand what I'm really, what the energy is really trying to help me learn. But if I go into it's an anxiety attack or I'm depressed, I will never get there. So I, I, I help people, first of all, recognize that the labels they're using are completely not helpful and are only indicators of what's really going on. And then I'll take it a step further. If you're having these symptoms and you're a high sensitive and this is going on, go on to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. And there are so many people, especially Heidi, who can help you to identify it and start to breathe free without this oppressive, these oppressive judgments, self-judgments and judgments from others mm-hmm. that are weighing you down. 
And words are really important. I mean, I, I'm a writer, so they are important, but the energy of words, instead of talking about, I had a client the other day who said, I need to fix this. I need to, I need to let go of this weight. I said, those are words of push energy. Those are not words that have a frequency of, of release. What we need to do is, is speak and walk and think in a way that propels us into the positive, you know, like Abraham Hicks, right? Into the, into the vortex, into the alignment. And so there are a lot of tools for doing that, but sometimes we need help and we need people who are on the path to show us that, that way. And music too, because all my music is embedded. This is what Randy told me. You're going to be playing music and it will be embedded in coded energy of pure loving intention that will help people with whatever they need. And I said, really? Me? <laughs> I, I, I didn't even understand. I mean, I, I was clueless. So I did one on smoking cessation. And then, excuse me, I did one on alcohol addiction, lost at sea, PTSD, anxiety, depression, fibromyalgia, all sorts of ones. And people can even play them on mute because the energy is so deeply embedded that that's what you're really listening for. And they, they go in and they readjust and readjust cellular patterning. So one client, yeah, one client actually played it, stopped smoking, and decided she didn't want to play it anymore because she wanted to keep smoking. <laughs> wow. I have one for weight loss. If I used it myself, okay, I'd let's, much let's better stop, stop the presses, everyone. She's got one for weight loss, everyone. I, I weight loss and sugar addiction. I, I play them all the time on mute all day long at my house because I know that the energy is helping me stay in my most joyful place. So you can literally put these on but not even have to hear them. Just yeah. by playing, they will raise your energy. They will, they will go where they need to go. I can even play it. Let's say you're my friend and you don't really believe in this stuff. Right. I can basically play it in my house on your behalf. It only goes where it's meant to go. That's wonderful. That's wonderful for people to know. Yeah. So this leads me to, what is your message, Heidi, about the importance of healing that you would like to convey to our listeners? I believe that healing is self-driven. I believe it's a process. I believe it's one I never, I never would have been here if it weren't for the people who helped me though. I, there were people who saved my life and I, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Some come, yeah. Some people come to my meetups more for the mediumship, but a lot of people come for the tools, the techniques, the vacationing angels, the idea that that the music can help them, that, that they can sit with other like-minded people uh, like us and, and they can admit to hearing voices. I can stand up there and say, I'll be the crazy one. It's okay. I don't mind. I have a career. I'm my age. I don't need to worry. 
and I'll be the one to stand up here because I need to do this for you. And I need to be the one to, to uh, for whatever reason, I've been given this gift. Well, one of them I could tell you is you're so authentic. It's so easy to um, talk with you or relate to you. Thank and I think that probably helps people because uh, there's no mask. There is no, there's no, there's no mask. And I, and, the, and what I, my number one message is be in integrity. My, you know, live in integrity and you will get there. That's great, Heidi. How does a person, I'm sure there are people who want to connect with you. Tell us where they can buy your book. How could they connect with you? Uh, do you have a special offer for them? Yes. My website, my original website was harvardgirledits.com. So that's my self-publishing and editing site. When I was looking at trying to find a way to go with this, my intuitive coaching and music, uh, I came up with, I said to someone, you know, I was the Harvard girl and now I've just gone rogue. And so that's it. Harvardgirlgoesrogue.com. That's great. That's a huge number. <laughs> and I feel like that's what I did. A lot of training in a lot of conservative directions. And this is where I, I am now. Uh, I, I played music. I was a performance major at Harvard and I studied in the same class as Yo-Yo Ma, the cellist. Wow, that is amazing. Yes. And so that's where I came from, and this is where I am now. So that's my website. Uh, they can call me. My so it's harvardgirlgoesrogue.com. That's right. And I have a lot of downloads of music on there, MP3s on all sorts of topics. You can set up intuitive coaching sessions. I offer workshops. I offer private workshops where people have me come to their houses and invite a number of people. Um, I, I do a lot of different kinds of things and I Skype interview for people who are far away. Um, and the offer I would, I'd like to do is if anyone signs up for a session, I will offer them a free customized piece of music. Oh, that's wonderful. And what Heidi Connolly is your tip for finding joy in life? As my client said, who she told me she came to me or her, the guy she was going to marry after 44 years of not knowing him, re-met him. They had a marriage date. He died the day before the marriage. She told me she wanted to die. She told me she was done. The day she left, she started to hear from him, speak to him. It changed her life. And she, she told me being a vacationing angel is changing my life. Every day she wakes up in front of the mirror, he says, I am a effing badass vacationing angel. And today is the first day of the rest of my vacation. That is a great way to look at it. And what a great tip. Thank you, Heidi. You Thank are welcome. Heidi, your story of loss an ultimate renewal through your acquired ability to converse with your husband, Randy, and other spirit beings bridges the world of grief with a world of new beginnings, offering a way to cross the threshold of our own personal Rubicon to a renewed life of happiness, joy, and possibility. Mm. What a true blessing and what a delight to have you on Grief and Rebirth podcast today. Thank you, Heidi. 
And here's a reminder, everyone, that you can see the full show notes and all grief and rebirth episodes on irewinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us on social at, at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thanks again for tuning in. And as I like to say, to be continued. Bye for now.